0: Go to a miss. Ducked him out. The Philadelphia Phillies are 2008 World Champions of baseball.
1: Hey, 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 it's Wednesday, September 13th, 2017. Welcome to the Philly Press Box Radio Roundtable. Brought to you this week, as usual, actually, by the Irish Rover Station House in Langhorne, Pennsylvania. I'm Jim Chesko, Chet to most, and I'll be your host this week, joined for the first half of the program by one of our favorite guests, the Hall of Famer Ray Didinger. Of course, it's usually Bill Furman who handles the opening of the show, but as you may or may not know, Bill lives in Florida, and he's still dealing with the effects of Hurricane Irma. Bill and his family are fine, fortunately, but his internet and telephone service are still quite spotty, so he's getting an unexpected week off. We wish all the best to Bill and everyone impacted by the hurricane down in Florida, of course. It's a shame that Bill's not here because this is something of a landmark episode. It is show number 150 for the Philly Press Box Radio Roundtable. Even without Bill, there's plenty to discuss. There's a second Penn State football victory to review. Some Phillies baseball chatter. How about that, Reese Hoskins? The Flyers have begun training camp, the rookies anyway. Fred Hugo stops by later for his week two fantasy football picks. And naturally, lots of Philadelphia Eagles football to talk about. That is, in fact, priority number one. And who better to talk about that than Ray Dinger? Welcome back, Ray. Hi, Chad. How are you doing? Doing all right. Hey, first of all, Ray, congratulations on the success of a second year of sold-out Tommy and Me performances at the Fringe Arts Theater in Philly. Bill was really bummed that he wasn't able to make it, but in my case, it was great being there for that final performance last month, and I got to say, I enjoyed it just as much the second time around as I did a year ago.
0: Yeah, well, um, thank you for coming again, and uh, I heard that a lot. Um, That was one of my thoughts when uh, theater exile made the decision to bring it back again this summer i thought gee we sold out 12 shows last year you know now you've scheduled 17 shows this year you know i i don't know if you're going to be able to do that if you're going to be able to get that many people to come out new people and they said no no, no. i think the people who came last year liked it enough that they're going to want to come back and and they're going to bring other people with them when they come back and that's that's really how it turned out is uh had an off every every performance, all 17 performances sold out, and the people I talked to afterwards, many of them I recognized from a year ago, and they said, you know, we love the show so much, we wanted to see it again, and this time I brought my father, or this time I brought my neighbor, or this time I brought, you know, the guy who sits next to me at the Eagles games, or, you know, I brought uh, my grandfather who saw Tommy McDonald play at Franklin Field. I mean, everybody all those people who came last year came back with other people and uh they all had a different take on it and the thing that i found most uh gratifying about it was they all came back and said you know what i enjoyed it even more the second time uh so it was uh it was a, it was just another great summer and i'm uh, i am just so amazed and uh, grateful for the way uh, for the way this play has been received it's been uh, it's been an amazing couple of years and i'm meeting with the theater exile folks again next week to to talk about the future of the play. I mean, uh, you know, there's there's a possibility it may it may actually continue to live on and I would I would love to see that.
1: Oh, that would be terrific. Even if you have to, you know, change a cast member or two along the way, it's just such great content and a great story. I know people would go back to see it again and again.
0: Well, thank you. Well, I I do think that that really helped was that we had we were able to bring use uh, bring back the same four actors from the original play. We had the same four characters. Uh, the actors all liked it so much that they actually cleared their schedules so that they could uh, be available for the month of August to bring, come back and do the play again. Uh, and if we do it again, if we do come back next year, I would I would hope that we could get the same four guys because right now they've just got a. You know they have got a really nice rhythm going now. They know that they know the parts. And uh, as the one as the one actor said to me when we were wrapping the thing up, you know, last year this was really your story, and now it's really kind of become our story. We feel like we have some ownership of this now too. And I think, you know, I think that sort of emotional investment was obvious in the performances this summer. They were really really good.
1: Fantastic.
0: All right, Ray, Ray,
1: uh, Eagles football talk. Week one is in the books. The Birds snapping a five game losing streak against the Redskins. What are the biggest positives to take away from the opening week 30-17 to 17 victory?
0: Uh, well, the two big ones, I think, were the performance of the defense. Uh, I thought the defense played really well. Um, you know, the pass rush that everybody had talked about over the summer and the idea that they drafted Derek Barnett and um, you're hoping that Vinny Curry would come back and play well and the addition of Timmy Jernigan, that with all of that, that the Eagles would be a better pass rushing team uh, than they were last year. And you certainly saw signs of that on Sunday. Uh, I, I said before the game, when we were doing the pregame show, I said to me this game comes down to really one thing. Uh, it comes down to the Eagles' pass rush. If the Eagles, get a, if the Eagles get pressure on Kirk Cousins, they'll win. If they don't, they'll lose. Uh, and it was obvious, right? really, from the very first series of the game, that they were getting a lot of pressure on Kirk Cousins, and they kept it up for four quarters. And I really think that was the difference in the game, it was the Cousins never looked never looked comfortable in the pocket. He never looked settled. Uh, and that led to a lot of the mistakes. And, you know, the Eagles wound up with four takeaways and won the game actually by a pretty comfortable margin. So the, the performance of the defense, and specifically the pass rush, I thought was, was one factor. And then the other one was really the performance of the young quarterback. I thought Carson Wentz was, was really, really good in this game. And if that's an indication of how much he has grown uh, over the course of one year and where he is at this point in his career, uh, looking down the road for the rest of this season, it's pretty exciting for Eagles fans.
1: Yeah. Now, now Doug Peterson has often been called Andy Reid 2.0 and here we are questioning the run pass ratio again just like we did so often under Andy. Why is Doug so unwilling to stick with the run and why only four carries for Wendell Smallwood?
0: Um I think that that's, that's just the way he wants to run the game. I think he is I think he is very much like Andy. I mean, he sort of You know, he 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 sort of dismisses it and says, "No, that's not really true." And but I think it is. I mean, he's I think philosophically he's very much like Andy, and that's not surprising. I mean, he he played under Andy, uh, then he coached under Andy, uh, and he's been around. You know, he's been around the Andy Reid uh, school of offense for a very long time, and I think it's it's obvious he's very influenced by that, and he really does believe that. that throwing the football is the way to win in the modern NFL, and uh, I think that's fine. I mean, I do, I certainly acknowledge the fact that it's, it is a passing league now, and almost every team out there throws the ball more than they run it, but I I do think that there's something to be said for striking a balance between the two, and, uh, you know, I know they really like Carson Wentz, and they have a lot of reason to like Carson Wentz. He's a really good player, Uh, but... I mean, I really, I just, I hope that we aren't going into another season where he's going to throw the ball 600 times. I mean, I, I, w- I would really like to see them use the running game more. I mean, they they won the game last Sunday, and and that was fine. But I mean, the fact that you know, 24 rushing attempts, well, and and you take Wentz had four of them, so actually 20 rushing attempts for an average of about two yards a carry. That's that's just not good enough. I mean, if that's if that's all you're going to run the ball, and that's as effective as you're going to be then that just tells me you're going to be putting way too much pressure on that quarterback week after week after week. And, and as good as he is, I still think that's asking an awful lot.
1: As you said, it is a passing league. The loss of Ronald Darby four to six weeks, the new cornerback is going to hurt. Will they survive that loss, and is Rasul Douglas ready for his NFL debut?
0: Uh, that's, uh, that is a big loss. Um, and, you know, they, made, they paid a pretty high price to bring Darby in. Uh, I, I think they recognize the fact they need it. They needed another corner, a guy that had that kind of speed, uh, a guy that could really kind of lock down one side of the field. And, uh, you know, Darby, in his time at Buffalo, I mean, he was inconsistent for sure. I mean, he had, you know, he would have some really good games and then he'd have some really bad games. But he, he's really a talented guy, more talented than anybody else. The Eagles had a corner. And uh, they, yeah, they brought him in because they knew they needed that player, and now they've lost him. And they're saying he could be back in four to six weeks, which is almost miraculous for anybody that saw that injury. I mean, it was a gruesome-looking injury. I I find it hard to believe that he can be back in four weeks. I think six weeks, to me, even seems optimistic. But, okay, we'll go with what the doctor said. But in the meantime, uh, you're going to have to play without him. And they said that the Rasul Douglas, uh, the third-round draft pick, uh, is, is the guy who's going to get the first crack at it. And uh, I... Is he ready? I, I don't think so. <laughs> I mean, you're you're going to put him out there, and you're going to hope for the best. But, uh, I mean, part of the reason they made the trade for Darby in the first place was they felt that Douglas wasn't ready uh, a month ago. You know, the idea, I think, was for him was for him to win that job opposite Jalen Mills. Um, they were hoping that he would be able to step in and, and be the guy, and they just recognized over the course of the spring and the summer that he just wasn't ready to be the guy. Well, now if they don't have much choice, he kind of has to be. And, um, I, I, you know, Chad, I, I don't know. I, I, mean, I look at the guy now, I've seen him throughout the, the spring camps and the summer camp. I, I just don't know if he's a corner in the NFL. I, I just don't. Um, hmm. I, I think, I think, I think if he's I think he's a safe, I think he might be a safety. Uh, but I just don't think he's, I just don't think he's fast enough. I don't think he's quick enough. Um, Uh, I don't think he's, uh, he's athletic enough to, to be a, to be a corner. I, you know, he's got, he's got some physicality to him. He's got some size to him. Um, He, he can find the football, but his skills to me look more like safety skills than cornerback skills. And I think that's what the coaches realized. And that's why they made the move that they made in, in mating the trade for Darby. But, you know, they're going to give him the first crack at it. I just, one of the problems you're going to have with Mills and him both is they're both four, five, five guys. You know, they're, they're, they're not real fast. They're just not. And that was one of the things that they wanted to get. They needed to get a speedy guy there, and that's, that's what attracted them about Darby. Darby's a sub-4-4 four, four guy. I mean, he can really run. And in this NFC East with some of the receivers that you're going to be facing – you need that kind of speed, and I think, it's hard to, I think it's hard to win consistently when you've got two corners that both run in the four or fives. I think they just, you know, to me they're just really, really susceptible to big plays, and, uh, and we'll see how Douglas fares, but it's going to be a big test this week because he's going, going out to Kansas City, and he's taking on a Kansas City Chiefs team that has a lot of weapons, and if, they gets, if he gets matched up on Tyreek Hill too often on Sunday, that could be a real long day. Well, you mentioned going to Kansas City. So.
2: Kansas City, Kansas City, here I come.
1: A little musical interlude for you there, right? Eagles at Kansas uh-huh. City this Sunday. The Chiefs' Kareem Hunt ran wild in the opening night win over the Patriots. Will the Eagles front seven do a better job stopping Hunt? And Tyreek Hill, is he, he going to be a big test for the Birds' secondary, as you just mentioned?
0: Oh, sure. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you anybody that saw the, uh, the opening night kickoff game, and what that Chiefs offense did to the New England Patriots of all people. Uh yeah, it's it's pretty scary. I mean, they've coming out of that game, I mean, they got the number 1 rusher in the league in Kareem Kareem Hunt, uh the the rookie had 148 yards rushing, averaged 8.7 yards per carry in his first NFL yeah, game. Good. They have they have the number 1 passer in Alex Smith. You know, Smith threw for 368 yards and four touchdowns. Uh and they have the two top receivers. In terms of average yards per catch, Kareem Hunt averaged 19.6 yards on five catches. Tyreek Hill averaged 19 yards on seven catches. So, I mean, that's uh, that's a lot of offensive firepower right there, and uh, that's it's it's going to be tough. I mean, as good as the Eagles as good as the Eagles defense played in Washington, they're going to have to play even better uh, to stop this Kansas City offense because. You know, Kirk Cousins is uh, is a good quarterback if he has good protection and he has time to set in the pocket. He's He really is a pure pocket passer is what he is. Uh, and sometimes he doesn't get rid of the ball all that quickly. Well, you know, Alex Smith is, is, is different. Alex Smith does have mobility. Alex Smith will get out of the pocket if he feels some trouble. And last year he got rid of the ball faster than any quarterback in football. You know, people talk about – You know how fast Brady gets rid of the ball and a lot of these other guys, you know, Aaron Rodgers. But when they put a stopwatch on all of these guys over the course of the season, Alex Smith had the quickest release of any quarterback in the league. He got rid of the ball in 2.28 seconds on the average over the course of the year. So while the Eagles' pass rush was really effective against Kirk Cousins and was a big factor in winning that game, it's going to be much, much harder to get that kind of pressure on Alex Smith because, number one, he does move more. And number two, he you never see him with the ball in his hand. I mean it's 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 gone before the pass rush can get there. So that's gonna be that's gonna be a real challenge for Jim Schwartz and and this front four.
1: Speaking of Jim Schwartz, I wasn't sure if I was gonna bring this up, but uh since you mentioned the name Jim Schwartz, what do you regarding uh, you know, him possibly eyeing the head coaching job and maybe trying to undermine Doug Peterson? Is there anything to that?
0: Um, I don't think so. Um, I, I guess it's up to different people, different people's interpretation. I mean, that that's sort of out there now. I mean, uh, Jeff McLean of the Inquirer sort of openly speculated that in his Sunday piece. Um, it's a pretty strong thing to say, really. I mean, you're you're talking about yeah. uh, you're talking about something that seems to be almost bordering on treason. <laughs> and that's that's yeah. not good. Uh, I mean, I I don't really see it that way, Chad. I mean, the way the way I see it, look, is is, is Jim Schwartz? Does he want to be a head coach in the NFL again? Absolutely. I mean, he's he's been he's been a head coach once before. Uh, he's a young guy. Uh, he's still got a lot of football left in him, and and I'm sure he would love to have another shot at being a head coach in the NFL. But does that mean that it, you know you can say that and say that with absolute certainty? I mean, I mean he would tell you that, but. Than to say, okay, so for that reason, he's actively now trying to cut the legs out from under his current head coach. Now that's a different hmm. thing. You know, you can say one, but you don't. You're, you're not necessarily saying both at the same time. And I, I just, uh, my reaction when I'm reading is, well, well, how how is he doing this exactly? I mean, what 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 is going on here? I mean, if the idea is that he's going to undermine Doug Peterson, in what way to make him fail, to make the team lose? I mean, how does that improve Jim Schwartz's position, you know? The best way Jim Schwartz can become a head coach in the NFL again is to coach up a defense that finishes in the top three or four in the NFL and get the Eagles to 11 or 12 wins, win the division, and get to the playoffs. That will vault him back into the discussion of, you know, who's the hot, who's the hot coordinator that's going to be the next head coach. That's how he gets there. I don't see, I don't see how he improves his situation by undermining the current head coach and causing this team to go into a tailspin, um, you know that I, that's that's where I kind of I, I read that and I kind of scratch my head, you know. And the other thing is, if yeah. Schwartz really thinks you know he's going to be the head coach here, he, he really ought to look take a closer look at the owner. I, Jeffrey Lurie doesn't hire defensive coaches to be head coach. He just doesn't. You know, he only did that once, and that was with Ray Rhodes, and that didn't work out. Mm-hmm. You know, all of his higher sense, and it was, it was Andy Reid, it was Chip Kelly, it's Doug Peterson. Jeffrey is an offense guy, and I just don't see him going back to another defensive coach. So the idea that Schwartz is angling to get the Eagles job, to me, doesn't make a whole lot of sense on multiple levels. I'm with you.
1: All right, we know you predicted an 8-8 eight and eight season for the Eagles, Ray, and I believe you had this game against the Chiefs penciled in as a loss. Is that still the case?
0: Yeah, uh it it was I mean I um I kind of feel look I think the Eagles that was a huge win for them on Sunday. It really was. And uh and it was impressive in in many ways. Um but I just think that the Chiefs are I think the Chiefs are really good and uh right now they're just they're just red hot. You know, they got they got a good pass rush of their own. Um the, they they suffered a big loss in the New England game when they lost Eric Berry, uh the safety. Uh, he's, I mean, he's the leader of the defense and he's also kind of the leader of the team, the emotional leader of the team. So that was a blow. And and Andy acknowledged that, that, you know, that, that isn't like losing just any player. I mean, that's losing a heart and soul player and that's going to hurt him for sure. It's going to hurt him in terms of leadership. And it's also going to hurt him just in the X's and O's because right now I can tell you right now that if he had been playing and healthy, he would have been the guy locking down Zach Ertz. I mean, that would have been his duty this week, was he would have just been assigned to 86, and he would have done a good job on him. And, uh, and we all saw last week how much Carson Wentz looks to Zach Ertz. I think Zach Ertz, is, I think Zach Ertz could catch 100 passes this year. I really do. Uh, but, and that'll be easier to find him and complete passes to him this week without Eric Berry on the field. So that's one thing the Eagles have going for them. But I just think the Chiefs right now, frankly, they're, they're a better team. Uh, and uh, And they are a tough, tough task out at Arrowhead Stadium. They are really good at home i mean it's a great fan great great fan base, lots of noise it's a great atmosphere uh, and it's a tremendous home field advantage so um, I mean some people I guess are hoping the Chiefs might have a little bit of a letdown after the big win in New England, and maybe they will, but i don 't think it's going to be let down enough that uh, that the Eagles are going to be taking advantage of it so yeah, I'm probably leaning towards the Chiefs. Uh, I would say it's going to be a pretty close game, but I'm going to lean towards the Chiefs by like a touchdown. All right, we'll see what happens on Sunday. Hey, one of the uh-huh. reasons Bill is upset that he's not here on the
1: show tonight is because uh, the next thing I want to bring up, bring up, he like you, a big fan of Jerry Kramer, and Jerry Kramer now a senior's finalist for the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Uh, it's about time, right, Ray?
0: Absolutely. I've uh, I've said for. Oh, a number of years now, people often ask me, who's the one guy who's not in the Hall of Fame that most deserves to be in the Hall of Fame? Uh, and I will, I've always said Jerry Kramer. Um, I, I, it's, to me, it's, it's just a mystery why he's not in. Uh, I, I can't really understand it. Uh, I, I know Jerry, I was a Hall of Fame voter for 15 years. Uh, and I always said in the meetings, you know, how is this guy not in? Um, now he's come up, he's come up twice before as the senior nominee. And that's rare that a guy comes up twice as the senior nominee and doesn't get in. And he didn't. He came up as a senior nominee once, didn't get in. He came up as a senior nominee again, didn't get in. And now he's up for a third time. Now, I have to believe, I have to believe he'll go in now. I can't believe he could come up as the senior nominee a third time and be turned away a third time. I I have to believe that this is Jerry Kramer's year. And it's actually, it should have been long, long ago. The only thing I can think of, Chet, and I think I even may have mentioned this to you and Bill one time when we were talking about this, is I think there's a feeling among some voters, uh, I, don't, I, I don't agree with it, but I think it exists, that sometimes they'll just look and they'll say, oh, come on, you know, we've really, we got enough Lombardi Packers. You know, we've got 12 of them in there now. Are we going to put everybody in? And they just kind of close the door regardless of who it is that's standing on the other side, you know. And I think you just evaluate each guy on a case-by-case basis. And if he deserves to be in, he deserves to be in. Um, but I think, that that, I think they just kind of hit – I think that some of the voters just hit Packer fatigue, you know. And, you know, the, the last guy through the door was Willie Wood. And after that they said, okay, that's it. And, and Jerry was the next guy up, and he never got the call. So I'm hoping – and I really do think that this will be it for Jerry Kramer. And I'll tell you, he's a terrific guy. Uh, he's a wonderful ambassador for the game. He's still around. He's still writing. He's still doing speeches. Yep. And uh, he will be a very gracious and grateful new member of the Hall of Fame if he gets in there in August. Boy, I hope it happens. Uh, hope other so nominees too.
1: include Brian Dawkins and Terrell Owens, uh, the modern-day nominees, and some first-year guys like Randy Moss, Ray Lewis, and Brian
0: Urlacher. Any of those guys getting in next year or this year? Well, I think it's just, I think it's pretty safe to say Ray Lewis will. Um I I think ordinarily I would say Randy Moss should be a lock because of his numbers, but we've seen it's a, it's a weird thing with receivers. I mean, you you know you, you know, Terrell Owens didn't get in either. Um right. I mean, I I certainly think I would if I were still voting I would vote for Moss. Oh, no, I no question. Uh I would certainly vote for Ray Lewis, no question. Um Erlacher, I I was never the biggest Erlacher fan. Uh, I, I thought he was a, a really good player. I don't know that I ever saw him as a great player. But I, I think that the people in Chicago, and there were certain people that kind of got caught up in the, in the cult of the bare middle linebacker. you know. And So every time they talked about Erlacher, they kind of mentioned him in the same breath as Bill George and Dick Butkus and Mike Singletary. You know, they kind of lumped them all together like they were some kind of a Mount Rushmore. And I mean, I just... I mean, I just, I thought he was good. I just never thought he was immortal, you know, but I know there's a lot of support for him now, whether he'll go in this year or not. I don't know. There's a lot of really good, there are a lot of really good people still on the ballot. Uh, and that would be, if you're talking to Moss goes in and, and, and Lewis goes in, Erlacher would be a third first year, uh, inductee. And that's, that's rare. It's rare that you see, uh, that many first year guys go in. Um, I'm not, I'm not so sure. I think, he'll, I think he'll go in eventually. I'm not so sure he goes in the first year. I, hope, I really do hope that Brian Dawkins goes in this year. I mean, I think that uh, his career certainly warrants it. Uh, I, I wasn't that surprised last year that he didn't get in because, again, the first year is, is a difficult thing. But, uh, I mean, I, I saw the guy's whole career, and I don't, I don't have any question, any doubt that he belongs in the Hall of Fame. And, you know, I would love to, I would love to see it happen for him this year.
1: Yep, me as well. Hey, Ray, before we play Fast Five and wrap things up, uh, we had your weekend radio partner, Glenn Mack, now on with us last November and hope to have him on again next month, by the way. And last fall we asked him just what it is that makes the weekend Glenn and Ray show on WIP so terrific. And before I tell you what he said, let me ask you that same question. Why is it so darn great, Ray?
0: Uh, I think it's our friendship. I think it's the fact that uh, we've been doing this, uh, you know, I, I, I think it's going on 15 years now. Uh, and, uh, we started out, we didn't know each other very well. We, we, in fact, we hardly knew each other at all when they put us together. Uh, but over the time, and we've worked together so much, so many hours, so many shows, that we've developed uh, a real, a real genuine friendship. I mean, we're really good friends now. Uh, and, uh, I, I think that, um. Uh, you know, people use the term chemistry. They use it in sports, they use it in athletics, and they use it uh, in, in terms of offices. And and, you, and you, chemistry is part of TV and radio, too. If, if, if certain casts or certain shows have a chemistry between the leads, uh, I think people can feel that. I think people can sense that. And by the same token, I don't think you can fake it. If you try to fake it, I think people can tell right away. But the feeling that exists between Glenn and I uh, I, th- I think is, is a genuine, really good, healthy, fun chemistry that people share. And, uh, uh, you know, I mean, we're, you know, he's, he's really, he's really smart. He knows a lot of stuff. Uh, and, uh, and our, we have a lot of common interests and uh, enough differences that we can, uh, that there are things that we can kind of kick around and, and debate. So uh, if, any, if it comes back to anything, I think it comes back to friendship and chemistry. I think it just, it just works. Yep, Glenn said it's simply because you guys
1: are genuinely pals, and the show is basically two friends sitting at a table talking sports and whatever else comes up, and inviting listeners to join in if they desire. And you know that is just the way it comes across.
0: Yeah, that's the way it feels to us. And uh, it really, I mean, I've often said this to him. I mean, it's it's really like not working. It's, I mean, don't tell the bosses we said that, but I mean, it's
2: uh, it really <laughs> is.
0: It really it really is just like sort of going over to his house and sitting at the kitchen table and just. Uh, you know, and just shooting the breeze for three hours. I mean, it goes incredibly fast, and uh, it is. You know, people enjoy it, and believe me, we enjoy doing it.
1: Speaking of going incredibly fast, we are pretty much out of time. Once again, it always goes fast when you're on Ray. But I do want to get a, a quick version of Fast Five in before you go. So are you ready? Sure. You got it. Here we go, Ray Danger. Fast Five. Nelson Aguilar caught six passes for 86 yards in Sunday's win. What does your crystal ball tell you, Ray, his full season stats will be?
0: Oh, um, I've been an an Aguilar guy really from the time they drafted him, and I've kind of stuck with him all this long. So uh, I say, you know, um, let me see, uh, 55 catches, 800 yards. I'll take it. Who will lead the Eagles in rushing yards this season? Uh, Smallwood, I believe. You wouldn't have known it by last week, but I think, uh, I think yeah. the kid's got some talent, and I think he's going to get more opportunities that goes along, and I think he's going to emerge as, as the back. I hope you're right, and I hope he stays healthy. Ray, assuming you watch
1: some of the late Monday night game, how would you like hearing a woman, Beth Moans, doing the play-by-play for the first time in 30 years for an NFL game?
0: Uh, I thought she was very good. Uh, I had heard her do college games before, uh, so I wasn't, I wasn't that surprised. She wasn't an unknown to me. But uh, I thought she was really good. I remember Gail Sarens, when she was the first woman to do a network game, yeah. uh, got to be 30 years ago now, and I thought she was really good. You know, maybe now the audience is more ready for a woman broadcaster, but if they are, I think, I think she's the right one. She was, she was better than her color analyst. I thought Rex Ryan was awful. <laughs> yeah i know he was
1: horrible you're right and i'm not even going to ask you about sergio dip that's a whole other thing um number four ray it's mid-september i know but what is the most likely matchup for super bowl 52
0: oh well glenn asked me that question on saturday uh, on the day before the season started we kind of both went on the record for our teams um and uh i said seattle pittsburgh uh and uh, after seeing seattle out at Lambeau Field, um, <laughs> I'm not going to change. I mean, I'm gonna, I said it, so I'm going to stick with it. Uh, but, uh, boy, their offensive line looks really bad. I mean, it's – Pittsburgh um, didn't look good offens- either. Their offensive line looked as bad as the Giants, really. Uh, and, and, and Russell Wilson's a really good quarterback, and he can survive a lot of things. I don't know. Th- I think that offensive line is going to be a headache for them. Their defense is good enough. That I think that'll get them to the postseason because I think their defense is really good, uh, but I think that offensive line is going to is going to make it real real hard for them down the line.
1: All right, and finally, Ray, the dumbest question I've ever asked you, or maybe any guest, what are the one or two goofiest NFL players' names over the last fifty years or so?
0: Oh uh, boy, um, I always thought that, uh, I always thought Guido Merkins was a uh, was sort of a, an out there kind of name. Uh, and, uh, and, and of course he was one of the replacement players for the Eagles 30 yep. years ago when we got replacement football and, yep. uh, I don't know. I, I remember the running back on I mean, the Eagles might even see him this week, uh, playing for the Kansas City chiefs, Chachandrick West
2: is, uh,
0: <laughs> I, I've, I had never, I had never seen the name Chachandrick before as a first name but that, that that was a first for me. So I would I would go with it would be too easy to go with kickers cuz you know you have a lot of really weird kickers names but to me that's a whole separate kind of conversation. So I tried to stick to the uh you know to the uh to the uh, traditional offensive and defensive players.
1: And I asked that question only because I remember as a kid always chuckling when I heard the names Mick Tinglehoff, the Vikings Hall of Fame center. And a receiver who played for the Browns in the early 70s by the name of Fair Hooker. As a 12- or 13-year-old kid, that name always just cracked me up.
0: Yeah, yeah. It, uh, it, I remember one, that was one of the most famous uh, – that was one of Don Meredith's most famous quips when he was broadcasting <laughs> one of the games on Monday Night Football and Fair Hooker caught a pass. And Howard Cosell asked him about, uh, what do you think of Fair Hooker? And uh, Don Meredith said, I've never met one. <laughs> <laughs> I do remember hearing about that. That's a riot. Oh, Ray,
1: one more thing. Thank you for playing Fast Five, and one more thing for you and for Bill, as a matter of fact.
2: Really
1: yeah, both of you gentlemen have birthdays within the next week or so, so happy birthday, Bill, when you listen, and happy birthday, Ray Dinger.
0: Well, thank you very much. Yeah, mine's coming up next week. When is Bill's?
1: Bill's is this Saturday. Yours is Monday, I believe.
0: That is correct. Well, when you talk to Bill, tell him, uh, extend my best birthday wishes to him.
1: Will do. Hey, thanks again for visiting Philly Press Box Radio, Ray, and I will see you on the 28th, by the way, at PJ Wheelahan's.
0: Oh, good. I'll look forward to it. It was really a pleasure, Chad. Always a pleasure talking to you. All right. Thanks, Ray. Take care. You too.
1: Joined now on Philly Press Box Radio by the bar manager at the Irish Rover Station House in Langhorn, Chris Gaskill. Hey, Chris.
2: Hey, how are you doing, Chet?
1: Doing great, Chris. A big event coming up at the end of this month at the Irish Rover. And to mark the occasion, I'll ask the question in German. Was ist das?
2: <laughs> we have Oktoberfest on September 30th from 11 to 6. One of my favorite events that we do here at the Irish Rover. We've got authentic German food, our favorite German and fall beers. We do a sign hoisting competition. It is not to be missed.
1: Year three for the event. So what else do people have to know about it?
2: There's no cover charge. Uh, there's plenty of room. Come on in and have a beer with us.
1: I'm going to show up awesome. and have a beer with you, Chris. It happens Can't September wait. 30th at the Irish Rover on Bellevue Avenue in Langhorne. All right. It's almost time for Fred and Butter time. But uh, I want to talk about college football very briefly. A lot going on there. Alabama holding steady at number one. Big win for Oklahoma at Ohio State last weekend, so the Sooners jump up to number two. Clemson, with its great defense, wins again, beating Auburn. Uh, Clemson is at number three. Penn State gets a revenge victory over Pitt at Beaver Stadium, but drops the spot in the polls to fifth from fourth, slipping one notch behind those USC Trojans. That's the University of Southern California for the uninitiated, as our listener Big John likes to point out, only about ten times every week. Uh, PSU should have another cupcake this week with Georgia State visiting Happy Valley, but then it is Big Ten time. Still a long way to go, but Saquon Barkley and Trace McSorley continue to look great, as does the Nittany Lions defense. Let's see if that continues as the competition gets tougher in October. All right, here we go. There it is. It is that time again. Fred and Butter time. Fred Hugo. Hey, hey, Fred, you know what? Before you talk, I'm going to play a second clip to introduce you just because of the events this week. So, here we go. And
2: here he is, having the time of his life.
1: I couldn't resist. Welcome back, Fred Hugo.
2: Hello. What's going on, Chet? How are you?
1: <laughs> How you doing, Fred? All right. We're going to talk fantasy football. So, First of all, I want to ask you how did week one go for you in the five or ten leagues that you're in, and how did you do in terms of the advice you gave our listeners last week?
2: My advice was good. I hit on like ten out of the twelve players or about nine out of the twelve players that we that I spoke about um, but um as far as my record, I lost in two leagues and um and one in the one, so that wasn't good, and one of it was a was one of the bad the misses i had i I uh, went against Kareem Hunt, who 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 killed it in the fantasy world. He lit it up for like fifty-two yeah. points, and I, I I wanted to sit him, so I, that stunk. But other than that, I'll be fine. My team's stacked.
1: All right, good deal. Hey, let me ask you: How does an injury uh, like the one to David Johnson or Allen Robinson? You know, how does that impact a fantasy player's team? Oh,
2: uh, it can it can end your whole league, and and or or it may not hurt you at all. It depends on who the player is. So. It, David Johnson is is a perfect perfect example. If you had David Johnson, you counted on him to be be the main source of your scoring for the season. And now you have to scramble to find a backup. Sometimes it's it's easier when you have a solid backup in place. But that's a perfect example with the waiver wire. You don't know the backup for David Johnson is Kerwin Williams, but he's not. He's a small running back, so chances are he's not going to have as many carries as David Johnson. So you have to try to find a replacement or or pick someone else up on the waiver wire that's gonna at least put up half of the points that he would have. Uh the Allen Robinson injury isn't as bad. He's a receiver that's talented, you didn't really have a quarterback throwing to him. I think in, in that situation you want you want to look on the waiver wire and pick up whoever his replacement is. And uh that that happens to be Marquise Lee. And um Oh, the other name's escaping me right now. I can't think of the other guy. Allen Hearns. Allen cool. Hearns. So you would you would try to replace okay. him with one of those two.
1: Speaking of the waiver wire, who are some uh, guys you might want to consider picking up for this week?
2: There, it depends. Out there, there's, there's a bunch out there. I'll I, just, I guess, I'll just pick one at each position, really, to, to keep it short. But uh, quarterback, um, and you're, you're gonna not believe me saying this, Chet. Sam Bradford had uh, the best game of his career on uh, Monday yeah. night, and the offensive line. Yeah, he was, he was amazing. Um, if, if that offensive line remains intact, he may be a good person to just pick up and stash and see what happens. At the running back position, there, there were a bunch of injuries, and, um, like, Danny Woodhead went down. And right now I think it's, it's all up in the air there. You can pick up a few guys, maybe like a Javoris Allen on the Baltimore Ravens or Andre Ellington, Kerwin Williams for the Cardinals. Kind of pick them up if you can. I wouldn't waste your your waiver spot for them, but pick them up, put them on your bench, and, and maybe you'll you'll find a, a diamond in the rough type of thing. Wide receiver, there, there's a ton out there. We we touched on those injuries there. Danny Amendola is another one. Um, Nelson Aguilar had a had a great game. I don't know if he'll see as many targets week to week because Alshon Jeffrey and Hurts, you would think, would get the majority of the targets, but um, he had about. As, what was it, six catches and a touchdown. So um, there yep. are a bunch of people on the waiver wire that you can look at in your league.
1: Now you posted on your site today, I believe, uh sit one, start one. So is that kind of what you're talking about?
2: Well, I, that was uh, I I'd actually posted late. And for some reason, my, uh, that was what I did last week. I'm going to post after the show because I wanted to wait till the show to post the one, the one that I'm going to do okay. now, but yeah, I'm going to start weekly posting like sit one player, start one player, Um, at each position so that uh, people can look and maybe take my advice and see if it works out for you. So for for week two this week, um, as far as sit one, start one, I'll just go down at quarterback. I would say the guy to start would be Tom Brady this week. He's coming off um, a loss to the Chiefs, which have a pretty solid defense. But more importantly, he's facing a New Orleans defense that we saw Sam Bradford shred to pieces. If if he can shred them to pieces, I'm, I'm pretty sure Brady can on the other side uh for who you would sit at the quarterback position is Tyrod Taylor. He, don't be fooled. He had a, he had a great week last week about uh, 22 points I believe in most leagues in that 20 area but he was facing the New York Jets. This week he's going to be up against the, the Panthers. It's going to be a much more tough matchup. If, if you have Tyrod Taylor don't don't get too excited. I would uh sit him on the bench this week. At the um okay. the running back position you have uh, I would Really, you could probably just because of the New York Jets defense, you could go down the Raiders roster and just start all Raiders. <laughs> but I, I, yeah. I, I, I originally actually wrote Derek Carr at quarterback, and I was like, I don't want to pick all Raiders, so I crossed that off and I went with Brady. But I would go with Marshawn Lynch. Marshawn Lynch in the running game. With Sean McCoy lit them up last week, and uh, Marshawn Lynch should do much of the same. As far as running backs, you would sit this week. Um, I would uh, stay away from. Uh, any Eagles running back, the Chiefs have a great defense. LeGarrette Blount had had a touchdown last week, actually a catch, which was surprising. But um, uh, you don't know who the main guy is in Philadelphia, but I would stay away from any, any back that, um, as far as the Eagles go, going up against that, that Chiefs D. At the wide receiver position, as far as starting, I would start Mike Evans of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They had an extra week to prepare for the Chicago uh, Bears – And more importantly, last week the Bears were able to hold uh, Julio Jones to about four catches, 66 yards. I can't see them with Sean Jackson on the other end being able to do that, so I would definitely start Mike Evans uh, as far as wide receiver to sit. There's an exciting uh, – in a lot of leagues he's already drafted, but he's on a waiver wire as well. It's Kenny Galladay, who had had a huge breakout game for the Lions on uh, Sunday. He had two touchdowns, a, a ton of yards. I wouldn't get too excited about him. I would maybe pick him up and, and stash him just to see what happens. But the Giants are coming off a loss to Dallas. They have a really good defense and a defensive backfield. They pretty much shut down Des Bryant last week. So I would uh, – don't get too excited about him. I would sit Kenny Galladay at the receiver position. At the okay. tight end, I would go and start Kobe Fleer. He's going up against the Patriots defense, who, who is – Uh, They they didn't look good at all last week, and uh, he's a good tight end, and and him and Breeze looked to be connecting. He had about four catches, 60 yards, and a touchdown last week against a a pretty good Vikings defense. As far as uh, tight ends that I would sit, Jesse James of the Pittsburgh Steelers had a great week last week. He had uh, two touchdowns, a big red zone target there, but I think that's an anomaly. I I don't see him doing that again. He'd be going up against the Vikings defense who, though – Though they gave up a ton of yard, or yards and touchdowns to Fleener, I think they'll, they'll button that up, and, and he, he would not be the guy to start, so don't get too excited about him. Um, as far as defenses go, the Arizona Cardinals are, are the perfect defense to start this week. I'm going to go back to what I did uh, last week. I'm going to find whoever the, uh, the Colts are playing, and I'm just going to pick that defense because no matter who the quarterback is, Jacoby Brissett or Scott Tolzien, I don't see them being able to stop. I think the Rams defense had like 32 points last week. I can, Arizona is going to have at least, at least 10, if not more. And then defenses that I would sit, I would sit the Patriots defense. Uh, New Orleans offense was able to move the ball fairly well against a good Vikings defense. Um, They just couldn't score touchdowns. They were getting stopped in the red zone. So if the Patriots defense, you pretty much can move the ball on them as the chiefs showed uh, last week. And then at the kicker position, I'm just going to go with a high-scoring game. I think the, uh, the the New Orleans Saints kicker, Will Lutz, regardless if they get field goals or extra points, <clears throat> they will be able to score a ton of points against the Patriots. And then the uh, as far as kickers, not to start to sit, I would sit the uh, the kicker that the Eagles just hooked up. He, his name's escaping me. He's a fifth-round pick of the Bengals.
1: Jake Elliott. Jake Elliott.
2: Or, okay, Jake. I would sit him. There, there's no uh, if you have Caleb Sturgis. I would just release Sturgis and pick up your next best kicker on the on the wire. Don't don't go ahead and replace him with with the Eagles kicker. So um, that's all my uh, sit one start one for this week. We'll we'll see how I do again.
1: And what's your uh, website, Fred?
2: Fredandbutter.com. dot com. You can go on Fredandbutter.com. dot com. There's a fantasy tab. I'll have all the fantasy stuff there. I'll be releasing like a Sunday morning hangover fantasy part portion when i'm going to offer a few more picks for that day I, I don't know about anyone else but there's always that that whether you're hungover or not not that you have to be hungover but you wake up and you got that rush before 12 o'clock to make sure you're starting the right person i'm going to provide like a list of people that that i think and and, and inactives as well so yeah FredandButter.com
1: sounds good hey we're going to talk about this week's four nfc east games in just a few minutes fred you're going to make picks as well as i am we also have uh, bill Furman's picks to run down but first let's talk briefly about those suddenly interesting philadelphia phillies fred how impressive is what reese hoskins has done 16 homers in his first 32 big league games
2: it's amazing isn't it it get, you go from uh just so bored with the phillies you, you try to watch them to, to be a fan and now it's just so whether they whether they win or lose i was reading I forget the exact stat, but he's ahead of, like, I forget. It was, like, Hank Aaron, Babe Ruth, and and uh, Barry Bonds. And they were, like, well into the 300s at-bats before they got to 16 home runs. And Reese is at 112 at-bats. It's pretty amazing. Yeah, it's, it's amazing.
1: You know, as I watched Tuesday night's game with Hoskins hitting two late home runs, one in the 10th to retie the game that the Phillies eventually won, I was thinking, you know, this guy could be an even bigger star than Carson Wentz or Joel Embiid in a few years, and then lo and behold, I turned on WIP in the morning and they were having that very same debate. So what do you think, Fred, a few superstars in the making on the Philly sports scene?
2: We got. We've been we've been saying it, Chad, on on Facebook. You've been agreeing too. The Roaring Twenties are coming, and the, the Flyers don't look bad either. And I think this guy's going to be another star, Hoskins, and all the the pieces around him. Uh, uh, Nick Williams looks really good, Crawford, and then Franco, if he could develop too, you know, it, I don't. I didn't give up on him yet. We got a core here, very similar to the Rollins, Utley, and Howard. You know, we got to give them 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 few years to develop and play with each other and learn each other and then get over that hump, but. This, the future that was bleak about a year or two ago is starting to look bright all across the Philly sports scene. I'm real excited.
1: Yeah, I really like really liking the outfield too. Herrera in center, flanked by Nick Williams and Aaron Altair. Um, they've all you know got something they can bring to the table. Herrera has his faults, certainly, but the guy can hit. He started off hitting you know, 220 the first few months. Now he's up into the 290s, and he's just been amazing. And I really like what Nick Williams has done as well. I'll tell you who I feel sorry for, and that is Tommy Joseph, who hasn't had a bad year. I mean, he's <laughs> only hitting around 240, but he's got 21 home runs and 66 RBI, played a decent first base. But, hey, you've got to go with Reese Hoskins, and you want to get those outfielders in there. So, Tommy, take a seat
2: yeah hey, i mean it, i mean we had jim tome take a seat for ryan howard he he could take a seat for Reese hoskins i know he, i know he, <laughs> people like how his story and how he came up but i mean he's bad 240 like you just said it, it's an okay job and but that's that's not going to cut it we we need stars here and we want to win so sorry see ya, see ya, yep. tojo as they call him <laughs>
1: Just got to work on the pitching. That's thing they really have to improve still, uh, and then the future will be really, really bright, I think. Hey, let's get to uh, football once again, Fred, and our predictions for this Sunday's games involving NFC East teams. Now, Bill got his two picks correct last week. There were just two division games, the Dallas Cowboys over the Giants and the Eagles over the Skins. I foolishly went with the Giants and got that one wrong. If I'm not mistaken, Fred, you picked the Redskins to beat the Birds, did you not?
2: Yes, I did. I thought uh I thought our offensive line wouldn't be ready, which they weren't, but the defense saved us. So good stuff. Oh, well, let's try again this week. Dallas at Denver. Fred, who you got? Ah, this is tough, you know, Denver, Denver's defense, are they going to stop Zeke? I'm going to take the Broncos. I'm I'm not I'm not picking Dallas. I don't feel like rooting for them or not not that I would root for them, but I don't feel like even being right on them. I'm going to go with the Broncos. I could see the defense well, holding Zeke in check. And um, the cor- Simeon didn't look bad the, the other night, and they're two good corners over there in, in San Diego. So I, I, if they can beat, pick apart that Dallas defense that suddenly looks good, um, I, I could see Denver winning. I, do you know what the spread is? I think it's like one or something, right? I
1: don't. I don't have that in front of me, No. But I can tell you, Bill went with the Cowboys in that one, citing the Broncos' lack of a real quarterback. And I have to agree. I mean, you said he played okay, but still, I'm not going to go with that. And even though the game is in Denver, the Cowboys usually play play pretty well on the road. So I wouldn't mind being wrong on this one. I have to go with Dallas. So Bill and I say Dallas, you say Denver. Next, Washington at the L.A. Rams, Fred.
2: The Rams, they, they look good last week as well. But then again, they're, they're playing the Colts, you know. So how can you really measure, measure their, what they did last week? I don't think the Redskins – the Cousins was totally off. If you really were watching that game, the receivers were wide open. Pryor dropped a touchdown pass. Um, I think the Redskins will be able to beat the Rams, and, and they really should have beaten us. But I'm going to go uh, Redskins there.
1: Wow. Fred, you're going to have a bad week, I'm telling you right now. Bill is taking the home team, the Rams. And, yeah, Jared Goff and company had a very impressive opening week. Uh, The 46-9 win over the luckless Colts. Goff was 21 out of 29 for 306 yards. The defense played very well. So, Fred, the Rams will go to 2-0. The Skins to 0-2. Mark it down. Next up, Detroit at the New York Giants, Monday
2: night. I can't see the – I I think the Giants are going to win the division, even though that line looked – oh, my gosh, it looked bad. They really didn't address it, but it it, it looked horrible against Dallas. Uh, The Detroit Lions were done until about in the fourth quarter when they lit the Cardinals up for 20 points. So I I think the Giants' D will prevail there. Um, They'll keep them in check. It'll be close, but uh, the Giants are going to win that one. (laughs) Boy, you are – Totally different from
1: both Bill and me this week. Uh, for me, unless Odell <laughs> Beckham is back in the lineup, I'm definitely taking Detroit. We might not know, know for sure about Beckham until Monday, but the Giants' offense looked horrible in week one. So, heck, I'm going to take the Lions to knock off the Giants either way. And Bill agrees, saying Detroit wins because the Giants are awful. So there you go. He and I both take Detroit. You're saying the Giants. So we differ, you and I, and uh, you know, you and Bill, on all three. You're going to have a great week or a horrible week, I'll tell you right now. Finally, Fred, the Eagles at the Kansas City Chiefs. Now, I'm going to be surprised if you pick the birds in this
2: one. Yeah, you should you should be surprised. I think they're going to they'll keep it close and and Eric Berry is out for the Chiefs, but that offense looked unbelievable on Thursday night against the Patriots. Kareem Hunt, though he's a little bigger, is screaming how um, how Reed used Westbrook here. Tyreek Hill, our D-backs even when Darby was in, the receivers were open, I, I really think Reed will, will, will have a plan to to beat Peterson as well. I'm gonna I'm gonna say the Eagles keep it close. It'll be a, a four or five three point game in that range, but I'm I'm gonna have to take the Chiefs at home at Arrowhead.
1: I would absolutely love to see the Eagles get a win here, and it may very well happen, but I gotta make the pick with my head, not my heart, and based on what we've seen from K C in the opening night win at New England. They're a damn good team on both sides of the ball. Bill predicts the Chiefs 23-17. You pick the Chiefs, and I'm thinking along the same lines. Hope I'm wrong, but I'm saying Chiefs 31-24. So at least we all agree on that one, but we're all hoping that we're wrong.
2: Uh, Bill, Bill's never going to go against his his boy Andy (laughs) Reid. He's never going against him. He loves his
1: Andy. (laughs) Yeah. Hey, Fred, what is going to happen with Joel Embiid and the contract situation? He's entering the final year of his rookie contract, but – how can anyone justify giving a guy a ton of money when he's played 31 games in three years?
2: This is so tough. And that report that came out, that was the biggest thing I was scared of is starting to have contract issues with these guys. It was an Eskin report, yeah. though, so that, that gives me confidence that it's not as <laughs> true. But you do you, – you've got to be smart about it, but at the same time, you, you can't just let him walk. I mean, when the guy – if he does stay healthy – and i know people think i'm crazy when i say that he he has hall of fame skills that that's what his numbers are compared to in the limited time he did play so you can't just let him walk either so i i think there's there's got to be a way the agent seems like he's playing the game they got to meet meet halfway somewhere to lock him up get him get him some money or at least give him money for a certain amount of years that he can go get a max deal in two years or something if he proves that he can stay healthy for a majority of the season. So I, I if they lose him, though, I, I would be devastated. He's he's my favorite player. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be interesting to
1: see how all this plays out, his health, the contract, how everybody blends together. Exciting times on the Philly sports scene, Fred, I'll tell you.
2: Trusting the process, all for sports. Yes, I indeed. love it.
1: Hey, Fred, thanks for sticking around a little longer than uh, usual this week. We appreciate it. like getting your feedback on all the games, like getting your fantasy picks, and always good to talk a little Sixers, too. So we'll talk more fantasy football with you next week for week three,
2: all right? Sounds good. Thanks for having me. Talk to you next week. All right. Take it easy, Fred. Bye-bye.
1: Now, next week for show number 151, we're going to welcome back a guy who was here once previously, Last November, I believe it was, he played briefly for the Eagles way back when and then won a couple of championships as a tight end with the Philadelphia and Baltimore Stars. These days he publishes Jersey Man and Philly Man magazines, a very knowledgeable and very personable guy, Ken Dunnick. Looking forward to talking with Ken once again. And with that, we're uh, you know, closing in on the final few minutes here of the program, so it is parting shot time. So how about some hockey talk? Training camp has opened, and another Philadelphia Flyers season is fast approaching. It's season number 51 for the Orange and Black, but it's now been 42 years since those back-to-back Stanley Cup championships. And we're all wondering just how soon this club will again compete for a third cup. First things first, Flyers fans, don't get your hopes up. It's almost certainly not going to happen in the spring of 2018. The Flyers on Monday opened training camp for rookies, who will be joined by the veterans later this week. There's a lot to be excited about with this team, to be sure. We all want to see just how good rookies like Nolan Patrick, Oscar Lindblom, Sam Morin, and Robert Haig, assuming they all make the opening day roster, are. Will Shane Goss' despair bounce back to his 2015-16 form? We'll find out whether Travis Konechny and Ivan Provorov, their second full season with the big club, can become legitimate stars. Veteran Wayne Simmons, who led the Flyers with 31 goals last season, is back. So are a couple of other key guys who will be counted on to have better seasons than they did last year. Jacob Voracek and Captain Claude Giroux. General Manager Ron Hextall still has faith in those guys, and he's optimistic that Giroux, who had just 14 goals, 58 points last year, will be better this season. He will have to be if Coach Hextall's Flyers are to make the playoffs. And then, of course, there's the question that's been asked far too many times over the last few decades, will the goaltending be good enough? Most Flyers fans are of the probably correct opinion that neither 29-year-old Michael Neuvert nor 32-year-old newcomer Brian Elliott is the long-term answer. The hope is that one of the several young prospects, Carter Hart, Alex Lyon, Felix Sandstrom, Anthony Stolarz, will be the real deal and help make the Flyers perennial legitimate Stanley Cup contenders. The sooner, the better. Yeah, we're going to keep an eye on those flyers over the next few uh, weeks and months. Training camp getting into gear now. Then the exhibition games. I think they have a rookie game tonight. As a matter of fact, Um, the regular season starts in just a few weeks. NBA season starting next month. A lot to look forward to. In addition, of course, to the Eagles and Week Two and Week Three and beyond. Well, don't forget to check out our uh, website whenever possible, phillypressboxradio.com. This has been fun, but, Bill, we miss you. Hope things get back to normal down in the Sunshine State real soon. Hope that all the mess is very soon cleaned up and that the insurance company does its part. I know that's the real issue in many cases. Hang in there, my friend, and get your butt back on the show next week. And with that, we have reached the top of the hour, almost. I'd like to thank special guest Ray Dinger plus Fred Hugo the Irish Rover Station House, and Bob Sullivan's LikeYourAge.com for their continued support of the show. For Fred, the Missing in Action, Bill Furman, this is Chet saying we hope you enjoyed the show and will join Philly Pressbox Radio again next Wednesday, September 20th. The live show is at 7 p.m. on the 20th, and that's when Ken Dunnick joins us. You can listen through our website, phillypressboxradio.com, our Facebook page, or on the Internet at www.blogtalkradio.com slash phillypressboxradio, or on iTunes, Stitcher, the TuneIn app, MixCloud, probably other places, too. Enjoy your weekend. Go Penn State. And, of course, this Sunday, go Birds!